and, um, and I knew that I just needed to push through time and time again. So when we sang that song earlier that, that you all picked, and if our God is for us, then who could stop us? That's been my prayer all week. Even this morning as we left early on our way to church, stopped off at our local IGA to get something, got back in the car and Charlie went to start the car and the battery's flat. It's like, great, praise you, Lord. <laughs> We're going to get there somehow. <laughs> but thankfully... Um, we had a, a dilemma a few weeks ago. We were in a leadership meeting and Aaron and I were debating as to who was going to preach. And in the end I said, okay, I'll do it. So when Aaron got the message that I was stuck in the IGA and couldn't get here, he figured either I go and get her or I have to preach. <laughs> <laughs> so he come and got me. <laughs> so I'm here. Praise God. And again, and if our God is for us, then who could stop us? So I knew that this was the message that... I needed to deliver this morning. Well, we've been looking at the book of Isaiah and it presents us amazing challenges. Not only is it 66 chapters long, has anyone managed to read the 66 chapters over the last few weeks? It's pretty long. But its contents present us with a personal challenge as well. This is the story of Jerusalem, but it's also a very important message for us. Now, so far... We've been looking at a whole heap of things. Now, I'm not sure if the overhead's going to work because we had another hiccup, but that's okay. We've been looking at chapters 1 to 39, which is about the rise and fall of Jerusalem. We've been talking about chapters 40 to 48 and the announcement of hope. We've been talking about through chapters 49 to 55, where Isaiah announces the servant who fulfills God's mission in bringing about redemption, Jesus. And in chapters now where we get to, chapters 56 to 66, we're talking about the servants who will inherit God's kingdom. Those servants are you and I. Oh, great. Yes, that would be really good. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> Sorry, we missed that for you. Oh, but my no, it's okay. <laughs> Always good to read the scripture. <laughs> Chapter 61, verses 1 to 11 in the NIV. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind the up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work from your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will, receive, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. 
For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Luke. Wonderful words, aren't they? I just had another chuckle. And if our God is for us, then who could be against us? Even when the printer doesn't even print half the words on the page. (laughs) Told you it's been one of those weeks. No, that's okay. Just not meant to read those few verses. (laughs) Ultimately, no, it's okay. It's just a few lines. Ultimately, God knows his people's sins and he's calling them back to himself. That's what the whole book of Isaiah is about. He's seen their refusal to see his face. He's seen the way they've turned their trust into idols and other gods that do not satisfy. He's seen them clinging to the past that is no longer there. He knows how confused and how imperfect they are. Ruin, mourning and pain are their future if they continue this way. For God's judgment is real. But God's message to his people through Isaiah is not to expel them into damnation. It's a message of hope and deliverance for his people. After his passing judgment, he promised them that he brings, he will hold them in the palm of his hand and that he will keep his promise. This message isn't just for God's people in the Old Testament times. It's a message for us here today. Because we too have sinned. We've fallen by the wayside. We've clung to other things from the past and not looked forward to what God's done for us. He knows that we're confused too. He knows that we're imperfect as well. He knows the ruin, the mourning and the pain that each one of us face in our lives. And over these past weeks, as we've been exploring and unpacking this intense book of Isaiah, because it is intense, God's been speaking to us too. We've been challenged through this story to acknowledge our sin, to lay aside our idols which don't satisfy or give us what they promise, and they don't. To let go of the past, even the good times of the past, in order to find the room in our hearts for the new thing God is doing. This is the story of a good God who loves his people and calls them back to himself. One who promises hope and a future with him, That is bright. He conquers all and everything. He promises triumph over evil and deliverance for his people. He sends the light of truth into the darkness. They're great words of promise and hope, aren't they? Healing comes. And these next chapters and the last few chapters talk about um, a Messiah, an anointed one. Because God's people are looking with, lump, with longing for the coming of the, over, of the overcomer. 
But looking back now, some two or 3,000 years later, we know his name. The Messiah is Jesus, the anointed one, the one who will take our sins and burdens upon himself. And the only way we can come is as we are right now. Not perfect, not clean, just as we are right now. Last week, Luke brought us chapter 55, in which God offers us that invitation to come with repentance and an open heart, to enter into a place where Jesus makes us clean and to receive his free grace. Well, we've been on a similar journey over the past month and my prayer is that somewhere in the messages over this time, we've all been challenged to take a look at our own life and our relationship with God, to come just as we are, because God's finest invitation are these three words, return to me. And so today we come to chapter 61, which Luke just read, thanks Luke, which begins with some very familiar words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Here Isaiah is speaking prophetically of the Messiah to come. And you might also recognize these same words in Luke chapter 4 as Jesus opens up the scroll in the synagogue and reads these very words. Then after reading them, he simply says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord upon him is here. Jesus is the good news for his people always. Do you know, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was upon Jesus. And as I reflected on this this week, I remembered that he was perfect in both deity and humanity. And I couldn't help but ponder if Jesus had the Spirit of God within him to fulfill his work on earth, Jesus, perfect in humanity, what about us? How much more do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives too? Really hit me, just our reliance on God and his Spirit. Jesus is the anointed one. And in the Old Testament, priests were anointed for this service. It was actually a ritual that actually happened that they went into the temple and oil was poured on them and they were set aside for God's work as priests. So the readers of the Old Testament knew this to be as someone who was set aside for God's work. So they understood what the anointed one meant. The next few verses explain the ministry of the Isaiah, of the message of Jesus. To proclaim good news to the poor... He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Words of hope, aren't they? And they're for you and me. They're not just for any old person. They're for everyone. The Messiah is here to heal and damage and undo the damage that sin brings. Because sin impoverishes. Sin breaks hearts. Sin makes captives. Sin oppresses. And sin brings grief. 
And while sin impoverishes, breaks hearts, makes captives and oppresses, Jesus, the Anointed One, the Messiah, brings good tidings to the poor, heals the brokenhearted and sets the captives free. This is the good news, right? Good news? Yep, good. The extent of the comfort and the restoration Jesus brings is beautifully described. Instead of ashes, he gives his people a crown of beauty. Instead of mourning, he gives his people the oil of joy. Instead of the spirit of despair and heaviness, he gives his people the garment of praise. So let me ask you, why do we mourn? Why are we sad? Why do we struggle? When Jesus gives us such beauty and such richness, why do we indulge in the spirit of heaviness when Jesus gives us something much, much better and it's there just for us to receive? Now, I'm in no way unvalidating the pain and the devastation that sin and life can cause. And it does cause sin and devastation and pain. Life gives us many challenges and sometimes it's very hard to move out from the heaviness and the ashes. We sort of get stuck. Sometimes God even asks us to sit in the ashes in order to bring forth his glory. For life is full of so many twists and turns that cause us to trip, to fall, to sin and to wonder where on earth is God. Does he not see what's going on in my life? However, he does see. And he tells us that he paid the price and paves the way for us to choose beauty. It's a choice. To choose the oil of joy. To choose praise and to praise him in all circumstances. Yes, I mean all circumstances. Now here's why some of you might be thinking, so Teresa, what do you know of pain? <laughs> Sounds like you're a pretty happy chappy. <laughs> And it can be, <laughs> but I haven't gone without pain or grief in my life. Most of us are carrying grief and pain, but praising God in my circumstances actually hasn't been that simple at times, and sometimes it's been really difficult. Even this morning when the car broke down, I sat in the car and waited for Aaron, and I just sung the song we're about to sing soon. <laughs> just praised God because I knew he had a plan. For me, it seems as though grief and pain and loss have been words I've lived with all of my life, even before I was born. My mother was eight months pregnant with me when her father died of kidney cancer. She was really, really close to him. And she was hoping to have a boy in order to honour his name and to follow the tradition set in our family for naming children. And yep, I was a girl. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> to make matters even more worse and complicated, Mum's sister, my aunt, was also pregnant at exactly the same time with a boy who would be named Paul after my grandfather. That was a real blow to my mum. My name would be Teresa after my grandmother, the woman my mother never really got along with and was cruel to her for most of her life. Grief was born in my heart right from the very beginning, even though I didn't know it. Do you know, birthdays were never really times of celebration for me as a child. Even when I was little, 
I never knew why it was a time of sadness. I never knew why I struggled. In some ways, it was just a reminder of the loss my mother carried, and I never really understood that. You might be wondering how I figured it out. I got to a point one year where I was ready to draw a line in the sand. It's not fair. Everyone else celebrates birthdays and have a happy time. Others rejoice and look forward to birthdays. Why was it always a time of sadness and turmoil for me? So I went to the Lord in prayer. And I asked the Lord to show me why this had happened. Why it happens year after year. What's in my heart? And through scripture and dreams, he slowly opened up my heart to what was inside. Showed me the story and I began to understand. It all made sense when I understood. Well, it's my birthday again in a few weeks' time. <laughs> and God has really been challenging me this week again to lay down my ashes, with which I still struggle, but necessary. Have you heard of the saying, walk the walk before you talk the talk? Yep, that's been me this week. <laughs> walk the walk before I can talk the talk, God's been saying. Do you know, I have a very special friend, Christian friend, who lovingly, and I do mean lovingly, chuckles at the adversity God seems to throw at me at my almost 40 years, 60 years of my life so far. Just, just is. <laughs> I've had two young cousins die in tragic circumstances, one in a bus full of children that hit a tree and caught fire, another in a rabbit shooting accident where he was thrown out of the back of the ute. My uncle died two weeks before our wedding and it was almost postponed due to the tradition of the three-month mourning period followed in an Italian tradition because a large portion of my family are either Italian or Croatian. But that was put aside and we were able to celebrate our wedding on the day that we planned. It was a wonderful gift from, from my cousin at the time. In the past ten years... You're probably thinking, well, that's a way back. But in the past 10 years, I've faced a cancer diagnosis, supported my sister with a brain tumour, faced my, mother's, my brother's death of mouth cancer at the age of 52, and he actually died on my 49th birthday. Well, birthdays are a big thing. <laughs> my father was diagnosed with cancer and died in a period of seven weeks. He was actually diagnosed on my birthday as well. My brother-in-law died a year later of a brain aneurysm. My niece had a brain tumour on the top of her spine. Mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and Lewy body dementia, which has been devastating for the whole family. And she now lives in a nursing home and actually deteriorates with every visit. My sister this year has had breast cancer and has just finished a very difficult time of radiation. It was really tough for her. And it goes on. Family, coronavirus, health issues. But... <laughs> I'm not here to brag about my woes I've had, that I've had to carry. I believe we all carry brokenness, oppression and grief in some form. And perhaps as I read those, that list, some of you connected with that for yourselves. Because that was the point of reading it, not to let you know what's happened in my life. Some people seem to have to carry more than others. And I know that there have been people I have met in my life journey, particularly in my work with the elderly and the sick, in nursing homes and in hospitals, who just praise God in spite of the extremely difficult circumstances they face. It's what actually gets them through, and it's a real strength. Often life is neither pretty 
or easy. It can get to be awfully messy. And that was the situation of the exiles too. In these passages of scripture, they, they were addressed as the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners and people who mourn, just like you and me. And we can identify with the Israelites. There are times when our lives are cluttered and other times when our lives are a mess and occasionally our lives are disasters. But the Lord did not abandon God's people during their exile, nor did God, does God abandon us in the messiness of life. Into these situations, God speaks and breathes a word of hope. So hear the word of the Lord. God speaks good news to the oppressed. Thousands and thousands of people have faced tragedies during this last coronavirus pandemic. And early in the year, there were fires and devastation across our nation. But in the midst of the devastation, the upheaval and the loss, God is present in words and actions. we still got to meet. we still got to hear his word. we still got to praise him for who he is. Choosing life, choosing joy, choosing to praise God is a choice. Yes, it's a choice. And sometimes in my darkest days, I've felt like God's so far away and doesn't understand the difficulties that I've had before me. Yet these words of scripture remind me of the gains that Jesus brings. The most richest times in my life have been when in the middle of my pain, I've made a conscious choice to, make God, to praise God for who he is and what he's done for me. To look beyond my circumstances to the bigger picture of who I am in Christ. It's difficult and painful to do sometimes, but praise is what God desires in all circumstances. Let me say that again. Praise is what God desires in all circumstances of our life. Our rejoicing must not depend on external circumstances. It's nice to have safe housing, a choice of clothing to wear in our wardrobes, a nice car, a safe job, a hassle-free life, good health, a full social schedule, prayer that seemingly answered all the time, the blessing of living here in WA with so few cases of the virus. Our praise doesn't depend on any of that. Our praise depends on who God is for each one of us, our sire, Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one, who brings us joy and life in every way. These things are wonderful. These other things are wonderful indeed. And, and we could and should praise God for all that he has given us. But our rejoicing must be permanent and not dependent on our circumstances. Not when things are going fine. Not when things are all lining up, as they say. But in all circumstances. Do you know, our greatest blessing is our heavenly status. And it's not earned by the godly life we've led, but by the sacrifice paid for us by Jesus himself. We've been dressed in this heavenly mantle of salvation and we've been draped in his royal robe of righteousness. What wonderful words. Verse 10 says, I, great, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, 
For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself in jewels. Salvation is the greatest gift Jesus gives us. It's the reason why we do and should celebrate. We greatly rejoice in the Lord our God. Our soul delights, our very soul delights in the God of salvation. God has blessed us with the, in the heavenly realms with every, and I mean every, spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Well, what a cause for great joy and rejoicing to know that the gifts of God are glorious and without number. Who can count the many blessings that are showered down on each one of us day by day? He pours out gifts of the spirit and gifts for the soul, gifts for our life day by day. And I want to stop and just give us a, few min a minute or so to think, what gifts has God poured out on you? What has he given you in your life, particularly even just this week? Has anyone got any answers? What has God given you this week? What blessings has he bestowed on you? Nothing? Too many to count, too many to measure. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Do you know the garment of his salvation and the clean robe of his own precious righteousness are the most wonderful gifts. Greater than the gifts of God is the giver of all, Jesus, who's come and the Holy Spirit who's come to dwell in our hearts for all who believe on his name. The Holy Spirit living within each one of us. Do you know, I believe there is nothing more beautiful on this earth, no sight lovelier to God in all the world. So think about the most beautiful landscape you have ever seen, about the most beautiful thing you've ever eaten, about the most loveliest picture you have ever seen, the most beautiful person you've ever seen. Ponder on what they are. And let me tell you that there is no sight, and I mean no sight lovelier to God in all the world than one of his chosen people. Think on that for a moment. That's you and me. There is no sight lovelier to God in all the world than one of his chosen people, you and me. Lovelier than any part of creation. May we cultivate an attitude of humble gratitude and joyful thanksgiving. For it is good to sing praises to the God of our salvation. For he has clothed us with the garments of salvation. He has covered us with the robe of righteousness. And this is the reason we celebrate. Not our circumstances. Righteousness is a gift from God to all who believe. Praise is our sacrifice to God. And being assured of salvation in Jesus is enough to cause praise to burst from our lips. And it should burst from our lips. 
And as I pondered this work this week, I couldn't help, there's been a song going through my head all week that I asked Yoi if he would come and lead us in that song as we praise God for who he is. But let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your many gifts of pardon, peace and purity, of faith, hope and love. But above all, we bless and thank you in Jesus' name for the greatest of all gifts, the person in your dearly beloved Son, who died to redeem us with his precious blood and who lives forever within our hearts. We thank you for always being there for us, for your gift of grace. We lay our ashes our mourning and our despair at the foot of your cross. And today we choose the crown of beauty that you bestow upon us, the oil of joy you pour over us, and the garment of praise you cover us with. Today we choose you, Jesus. Today today we choose life. So come, Lord Jesus, help us to enter into the beauty you bestow on us. Pour pour your oil over us, your oil of joy, from the tips of our heads right down to the very bottom of our toes. Cover us, Lord, with your garment of praise. For today we choose you, Jesus. Today we choose life. Amen.